for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. All right. I am blue. You are bright and shiny in my mind. You got me loving, hating, crazy indecision in my mind. Welcome to the Fall Podcast, where the focus is on deer hunting, tips, tricks, tactics, and stories from across the Midwest. And now, here is your host, Aaron Blisey. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and this is episode number 61. And today, on the other line, with me right now, my trusty sidekick, Batman and Robin, if you will, Justin Fabian. Fabes, how's it going, man? Oh, it's going good, man. Just waiting for waiting for summer to set in finally. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's it's been cold in Iowa. You know, forty degrees in March is a little different than forty in May. So I'm not too happy about it. Right it now. is, man. I'll tell you what. Yesterday morning, we're it's we're recording this on May 9th, so it's Thursday. This is going to drop on Monday. So, you know, what was it yesterday or the day before? I can't remember. My days are like. You know, just flowing together now. I have no idea, but it was 35 degrees, frost on the ground, and I'm like, "What the hell is this all about?" You know. And then this morning, I haven't wore a jacket to work in I don't know a week or longer. And this morning, I woke up and I'm like, "Man, there's a bite in the air." And it was in the 30s again today when I went home. It was 78, and it's like, "Geez, you know, a 30 to you know almost 40 degree difference is like." crazy but yeah it's i don't know i agree with you yeah i, I got it in my truck i think it was today i went to the gym at like nine o'clock this morning and my truck said 37 like this is, <laughs> this is stupid stupid yep but, uh, yeah yeah and I, I leave in like i leave in a week and a half and the the, the weather says it's going to be high 70s to the mid 80s for the entire time i'm gone so <laughs> Yeah, you'll be hiking around the mountains on a bear hunt. Oh, yeah. The it's tread- going to be fun, though, man. Yeah. I, I don't know, man. The way the tread, what the treadmill's telling me is it's not going to be as much fun as I hope it will. <laughs> I see you were sent, to me, sent me that Snapchat today, and you were, like, bumping up the incline a little bit. And I'm like, ah, you better bump it up a little more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a brutal reminder of how out of shape I am in the uh, cardio area <laughs> oh boy i started getting into it i i sent you a snap the other day of running and uh, trying to get some cardio and just to try to get the get the winter weight off a little bit and man yep. i about <laughs> i about killed myself after 15 minutes of running yep, the winter weight that's exactly what it is. <laughs> the bulking season but anyway um i you know the last podcast i put out you were you weren't on that one. I did one with Keegan and Adam, and we were going to Kansas. And I haven't did, like, I don't know if I, I think I told you a little bit about our Kansas trip, and it was, like, the shittiest trip. So <laughs> we go down there for three days, and we're going to turkey hunt and shed hunt. And there was another, it was a new piece that, that butts up to our piece uh, that we've been in talks with a landowner on trying to lease. And, you know, that was one of our big initiatives was trying to do that. And we did lease it up. So that that's a good thing. We've got uh, another piece that we're adding on to Kansas this year. And um, so it's pretty cool. And, and, and we went down there, we knew the rain was coming in, but we didn't think it was going to be literally a monsoon. So Adam and Keegan and I get down there on late Sunday night, early Monday morning. We get up that morning and go look for some birds. And we saw like, I don't know, 
maybe a total of 10 birds all day driving around could not find birds and it was raining on and off that day we had to shoot a commercial for reconics and uh shot a commercial and it just rained on and off spitting and sputtering a little bit but just enough to be annoying um chris and casey and jason got in that night and then tuesday was going to be like all day turkey hunt wednesday all day turkey hunt with some shed hanging in there and then we were going to go leave and come home thursday tuesday we probably got I don't know, seven to 10 inches of rain. If, I mean, it was ridiculous. It never stopped raining and it rained hard. Like the roads were flooded. We couldn't get through some of the roads. Uh, we couldn't turkey hunt at all because you couldn't get out of the vehicle and it wasn't even worth it. Luckily, uh, the farmer had burnt all the, the fields, the CRP fields around. So we just drove around in the ranger and just shed hunted from the ranger. Uh, you, you know, you mean, and what you mean to say is luckily he did it before you guys got there. <laughs> yes, because <laughs> last year, uh, last year, that might, that might be something we need to talk about on the podcast a little later, but last year the farmer burnt our truck doing, I'll just give you that. We went to lunch with a rental car and came back and Chris's truck was completely engulfed in flames with everything and the the only thing that we had with us was the clothes that we were wearing in our cell phones that's it i mean guns ranger uh cameras. 2017 duramax <laughs> all the cameras all the footage that we had shot for a week the turkeys that we had killed like the the meat was in the coolers the yeti coolers and and the beards the fans um my laptop my journal this one hurt man i take a journal every since i started in this like seven years ago every trip that i ever went on i wrote in a journal every night wherever i went and whatever i did that's gone because it was handwritten yeah so i don't have that anymore my daughter's because she i had a you know my daughter was born last year her newborn pictures were on my computer that were in there luckily um we know the photographer and got those back, but that's that's good. But yeah, everything. We went to right to Cabela's right then and had to buy clothes to to go home in. <laughs> so yeah. luckily everything was burnt. Yeah. So but yeah, I mean, rain. Rain the next day, didn't get to hunt the next day, shed hunted more. We found like seven sheds. But anyway, I mean, it was just a terrible trip. Came home, saw about a total of ten birds the whole time and was all we all she wrote <laughs> yeah sometimes you just gotta chalk it up for what it is and uh laugh at it and move on yeah put a yeah well put a couple coconuts down and just watch it rain there you go <laughs> oh there you go yeah well so today i want to transition a little bit today uh on the podcast we got blake wallerman um yep from southern illinois and i just said illinois it's illinois from southern illinois and you know as we were doing this podcast and he's got a really unique story about this deer that he chased you know it made me think and i I think you were kind of on the same page and more of like thinking outside the box and on your tactics or anything you're doing and you know i think in a lot of ways us as hunters give deer way too much credit you know what I mean? In a lot of situations, like, can you think of anything recently that you've just given a deer way too much credit and it's like, okay, at the end of the day, yeah, they are deer and they're, you know, they are, they do have a will to live and it's an unbelievable strong will to live. But what is, you know, the last thing that you've had that's like, wow, you know, I, I gave that deer way too much credit. And I, I don't, I can't think of a specific deer that, you know, I gave too much credit to, but I guess like along the same line of thought that you're, that you're talking about here, I think sometimes, sometimes things are so simple that we just make it more complicated than it needs to be when it comes to white. I I can see that. Yeah. It's like, I agree. You just, you overlook the obvious a lot of times because you're trying so hard to think 10 steps ahead and which of those 10 steps you know, you need to be standing in, in order to kill it. Um, yeah. Sometimes you just got to realize it's actually not forwards. You got to go one step backwards. And like you're, 
you're still going to be ahead of them. I guess if that kind of makes sense. Like, like my yep. my buck on public this year, um, I I felt like I was ten steps ahead of all the other hunters because I went to a spot two hundred yards off the road that they were all driving by because they were all racing to go to the deepest, darkest part of the timber. They were trying to get where nobody else was going to go. Well, I did the same thing by going in where they all drove past to get to the parking lot. You know, and it's... And that's a perfect example. Yeah. I, guess. I mean, right there, it's something you overlook. And it's something, yep. you know, that just... It's so simple, and it's like, ah, why didn't I think of that? Yeah. You know? And that's... I mean, I think that's just something that, you know... So many people are focused on, okay, I had a picture of him here, here, and here, this time, this time, that time. Uh, he ate this last year. This was rotation, so it's going to be beans this year. It was corn last year. Like, I mean, there's, yeah, those are all factors, and there's there's things that you have to play off of. But other times it's like just sit back and look at the big picture. Like, what are you missing? And nine, That's exactly what I was going to say. Nine times out yeah. of ten, it's, it's right under your nose, and it's it's something – so simple that it just makes you feel stupid. I I agree. And in those factors, you have to factor those in to a certain extent. Yeah. You know, the rotation of crops, the, you know, whether a piece of ground got logged off that year or, you know, you got to put in those factors, the weather and everything, but we're, you know, us as hunters are looking for that equation, that big buck equation or whatever it is, you know, but really like you just said, take a step back take a deep breath and start thinking about all the other stuff that you might be overlooking, you know, and in, in, in this instance, Blake, he got a really unique situation and capitalized on it and it happened. So, and I don't want to, I don't want to give away just now because it's a really cool story. And, but, um, I don't, I think this is a topic we could elaborate a lot more on, you know, in a later podcast, but I just wanted to kind of bring it up because I think you and I were both kind of thinking a little bit, you know, down this line. And I guess it's just those little things that, you know, and you'll, and everybody will hear in, in this podcast, what Blake's got to say. And the little thing I'm talking about, it's, you know, a farmer can't get in a field because it was too wet. So they're standing crops in late season and the deer just flocking to it. It's one of those things, you know, and it's honestly the farm that he's on, he even said it so himself. He would have never hunted this. This is not a farm. It's got one shag bark hickory tree on it. That's it. It's a bean field. Yeah. You know, and just so happened the chips fell in his situation, you know, fell in his, his favor and he capitalized. So I don't know. It's just one of those things. Take a step back, I think. And like you said, and look at the big picture. Yeah. It can be that so, simple. It really can. Well, cool. You know, and before we do get into this, like every week, I want to uh, throw our ABB post out there. And, uh, you know, you guys, for uh, custom strings, check out America's Best Bow Strings. And we've got a promo called Still Going. It's Fall Podcast. So at checkout, type in Fall Podcast to get $10 off. Your order is $99 and over. So go do that. Check them out. Pursuit Platinum and Premium Series you're not going to be disappointed. So with that being said, let's uh, kick this over to our interview with Blake. All right, on the phone with us today is Blake Wallerman. Blake, how you doing, man? Good. How about yourself? Doing good. Doing good. It's uh, good weather here in Michigan and, you know, finally can get out and get the bow shot a little bit. Turkey season still. It's kind of coming to an end, but, you know, we're, we're making do and chasing birds and I haven't haven't been able to kill one yet, but I still got the month of May left to to be able to get that done. But uh, everything's good, man. Um, how's everything going in Southern Illinois? Uh, pretty good. Our uh, we've been hard after the turkeys. Um, our season just wrapped up today. Actually, today was the last day. We uh, had a pretty good year. I see. I think I went nine mornings and seen twelve birds die. Holy so cow! Can't complain <laughs> about that. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, it was uh, probably the best season I've ever had, so so that was pretty good. Heck yeah, man. How many birds you up, did you end up killing? I ended up killing two, and then um, I killed two here, and then me and my brother went to Kansas, and he killed one there, and then I had I took two other buddies here, and then we had some buddies from Alabama come up, and so we had 
we had 12 tags total that we could fill and and fill them all so we That's uh, sweet when our buddies from alabama come up we uh we killed four in one morning so that was that was awesome wow that's a hell of a morning <laughs> yeah yeah well blake before we get too far into this can you kind of tell us where you're from and and uh you know what you do for a living right now yeah so uh my name is blake wallerman i'm uh, i just turned 20 years old and i live in a little town in southern illinois called boyd it has uh, a stop sign and a church and uh that's about it population <laughs> of about 250 I am currently a full-time college student, and then I work part-time at a bow shop when I can, and then I also do a little bit of freelance photography and videography whenever those gigs pop up. Sweet, man. Now, what county do you live in? What is Where's Boyd uh, at? It is in Jefferson County. Okay. So what's the nearest big city to you? Uh, the Mount Vernon would probably be okay. the biggest town that you might have heard of. I got gotcha. you. Yep, I know where Mount Vernon is at. So. Yep, I'm um, I'm 15 minutes north of there. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Yep. Very cool. Is that where you were born and raised then? That's where you've been your yep. whole life? Yep, been here my whole life. Awesome. So, you know, you're a full-time college student, so what are you going to school for right now? I'm going for occupational health and safety. Okay. So what what do you hope to do with that when you uh, when you get out? So I would like to once I get my degree, I'd like to work for uh, like an a big company, like an oil company, and then be what they call a, a safety professional. Okay. And so basically, you just you know make sure everything is safe in the work area and like confined spaces or like when you're starting a new project on just say like a pipeline, you. Uh, you have to make sure everything is is up to OSHA standards and everything is safe. I see. So is that something you've always wanted to do since you were, you know, in high school or little, or you know, what was you, what you always inspired to be when you were, you know, growing up? Uh, actually, I had no idea what I was going to school for until last year. I went to our community college around here for two years and just kind of got my generals and then kind of had to decide something to do and my dad he works for an oil company and so I just kind of you know heard about jobs like that and it was something that I found interesting and so I went for it that's awesome man well it sounds like you only got a couple years left possibly and hopefully all that works out for you then yeah I hope so well growing up in Illinois I mean that had been pretty rough for deer hunting huh (laughs) oh it was was absolutely (laughs) terrible (laughs) You know, um, when I started, you know, I started doing filming and producing and, you know, doing the television thing about seven years ago. And the first three years of producing a TV show, we were hunting a lot in Illinois. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Grigsby, if you've ever been up around that. So the first three years that's, you know, we were hunting the Grigsby and honestly, at that time it was you know, and you, I mean, you can't really prove me other wrong right now, but at that time it was, you know, the best piece of whitetail ground I've ever set foot on. I mean, it was, I mean, the yeah, first, I it. the first, uh, what was it? 2013, the first 14 sets that I had, uh, filming with whoever, it didn't matter. I saw a buck over 140 inches, the first 14 sets in a row. Um, it, it was, it was unbelievable, man. And, you know, we ended up killing some giants on that lease. And, you know, since then, you know, through Illinois, from an outsider looking in, you know, we hunted it for uh, three years. But before that, um, the guys hunted a couple years before me as well. But it, Illinois was, you know, the golden triangle. It always been, you know, it was the Mecca before, you know, the Iowa and stuff like that. And that's all you heard of growing up. And, you know, since then, it's kind of, in my opinion, it's kind of fell off a little bit and you don't hear a lot about it anymore, but I think it's kind of on the upswing again. It's coming back, you know, EHD hit a lot. I don't know if EHD hit down by you at all, but uh, up in our area it did. And I know that affected a lot of people. So, I mean, what was your experience with EHD, you know, down by you guys? So actually last year I, I was hunting a deer that, uh, that we called no brows and, uh, he was probably in the 160s and he just i mean i guess you'd call him a 10 pointer a typical 10 pointer but his brow tines were only an inch long and 
I seen him opening day on October 1st and never seen him or got another picture of him after October 9th. And I hunted him all year long and never, I guess it had been three years ago, actually three seasons ago and never, never seen him or had another picture of him after that. And then I went in there shed hunting and it's his core area was like a big thicket that we never go into outside of a shotgun season and me and my brother went in there and between the two of us we'd found nine dead bucks from ehd i mean there was that deer and then like four other bucks that i knew that i had pictures of that i either had hoped to kill in the next coming years or had hoped to kill that year and then several other other little bucks and that's a that's the only place that's really hit us um just that one that one farm that we have but it hit it pretty good for sure that's crazy nine all in you know one year you found them right in that same area yeah nine deadheads holy cow all on on a 160 acre lease wow that's crazy so yeah. did you see like what kind of effect did you see the years after that i mean were you seeing you know was your age, your age structure had to have been all whacked out of you know, out of yeah, place. It was nuts. So after that year, that deer that I was hunting, he was six and a half at the time. And then there was another deer there that was two and a half. And he is the only deer from that group that I seen or had pictures of in the next coming years. So every other buck that I had seen that I had recognized died. And then as far as like population goes, prior to then, I mean, you would see, you know, if you went and sat there during November, you would see, you know, 15 to 30 deer. And then the next years after that, you would see five. So the population, yeah, it was, it went down big time, but it's back on the upswing now. The the population starting to go back up. That's crazy. You know, in our Kansas lease right now, last year we saw an apparent, uh, absence in the three and a half year olds that we had i mean we either had they were either four and a half or older or they were year and a half to two and a half we hardly had any you know three and a half year old deer and you know those good up-and-comers that you're like man he's gonna be something something good we didn't have any of those deer hardly maybe you know a couple one or two maybe on four thousand acres and it's like there had to have been you know an ehd breakout the year before that we started leasing the ground just because those deer should be that three-year-old and it's, it's just gone. I don't know. I mean, Justin, what about you? I mean, have you seen much over there in Iowa? And I, I know you've only been there. So you're going on your second year. Have you seen anything over, over there that's uh, been hit, hit or miss? You know, I haven't seen too much of it myself yet here in Iowa. Um, <clears throat> I know it affected Bill's farm pretty bad. I think in 2000 and five or six um same thing though i mean it was i think he said he found like 11 on a 1200 acre farm that he has wow and same thing i mean it just throws your age structure so far out of whack that you know you find yourself passing deer for three more years just because you know the ones you're seeing are only two and three years old you know it's you don't want to you don't want to take those genes out of the gene pool just because they're the biggest deer you have as a three-year-old so i mean you still got to revert to those basic, you know, management practices, those principles you set out for yourself. But, um, you know, it's, excuse me, I, uh, I don't own or lease any ground here currently. So, um, I don't want to say it's not something I'm concerned with because it, it is of concern. It's a big issue, but, um, it doesn't directly affect me the way it would, you know, a private landowner or somebody, you know, invested into a lease, now, Blake, when you guys had that breakout, did you guys consider not hunting that farm for a year or so, or, or what did you guys do? How'd you deal with it? Yeah, so we actually didn't hunt that farm for two years. Um, this year was actually the first year since then that we have hunted it. We uh, we had, I mean, there wasn't a deer there that we had any interest in killing. So, I mean, I don't, I normally every year have a certain deer that I try to kill. So I had another farm that had a, a deer on it and 
so I just mainly stuck to that farm and that deer I was trying to kill and so we never went and, and even touched that farm for the next two years so okay so you know is that the deer the deer you're talking about is that the deer that we're about ready to get into then <laughs> no no it's oh, okay not. okay so you know I, I going back I you know I tracked you down on Instagram and and uh you know, we discussed, uh, some things, you know, exchanged some, uh, you know, I guess you'd call it DMS if you want to. <laughs> and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I saw this story that you had with this deer that you've been chasing for, what was it? A couple years, three, three years or so. Yeah. And yeah. I really wanted to know more on that. So if we could, let's go from ground zero. Let's, let's get into the first year that you found this deer. If it was a year and a half or two and a half and, and what, made him so special to you know to build this whole story that you got to ultimately you know getting a opportunity at him this year yeah so um he was two and a half the first time that we ever had any sign of him or ever seen him or anything so he was your average run-of-the-mill two and a half year old around here he was a 115 inch eight pointer you know just nothing special so we really didn't pay all that much attention to him i mean we saved his pictures but we didn't name him and you know say okay i want to kill that deer and so we we seen him a couple times and had several pictures of him that year and then the next year he was three and a half and he then again didn't really grow all that much and you know still wasn't something that we wanted to kill as a three and a half year old i mean i don't i don't like to to kill a deer until he gets to five and a half preferably i mean if if i have a giant four and a half year old as bad as i hate to say it i'll probably try to kill him depending on what farm he's on yeah and how good i think he has to make it but so when he was three and a half you know then again he was just an average three and a half year old deer he's still a mainframe eight pointer and we then again saved his his pictures and we had quite a few of them and we've seen him. I don't, I don't know between me, my dad, my brother, we've seen him a handful of times on the hoof and, and passed him a couple of times and got some video of him and stuff. And so then the following summer, he would have been this next year, he'd have been four and a half. We seen him. I don't remember exactly what day it was. It was sometime in July. We, uh, we had seen him and, uh, did he make a big jump from, you know, the year before to, to last year? He or did from not. From three to four, I mean? No, I was, we were kind of hoping that he would, you know, put on 15, 20 inches, but he, I don't know, he might have grew maybe 10. He didn't really get any wider or any taller. He just put on a little more mass. And so he, we thought about shooting him that year. Um, we debated back and forth about it just because he really, you know, he wasn't super special and we didn't think he was going to really be that big, but we had a lot of other deer that we were hunting that year. So we decided that we weren't going to kill him and hope that he was going to make a jump from four and a half to five and a half and, and put on a good amount of inches. Yeah. So he, he was a four and a half. Describe him. Like how, how big was he as a four and a half? I'm going to say he was total inches, um, not net because nets are for fishing. Um, yep. <laughs> I agree 100%. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say he was 135 to 138 probably. Okay. As a four-year-old eight-pointer. So, I mean, that's a that's a good eight-pointer I mean, though, you know. Right, yeah. But he didn't make that jump like you thought and like they usually do from three to four. Right. I mean, as a three-year-old, he was probably 130. Okay. So I was hoping he would be, you know, 140 to 145 at least is okay. what I was hoping for. So so he didn't. Um, and then that year, we really didn't see him because we didn't hunt that farm that he was on. We were chasing other deer. Um, but we still got a lot of pictures of him. And then it was halfway through that year that uh, that we decided to – to name him because we were getting a lot of pictures of him and stuff. And so we had actually, I was on my way to school one day and my neighbor stopped me in the road. This was 
during shotgun season and he's like hey i uh i shot this deer he's like i shot an eight pointer and he's like i think i hit him high in in no man's land and he's like i I don't know if i killed him or not and he was like so if i or if you guys you know stumble upon him i just wanted to let you know i shot one so i'm like okay so i asked him you know what he looked like and stuff and he described him to me and he's like oh he's he's tight racked and and good mass and not real long main beams and i'm like okay wonderful <laughs> <laughs> so we uh we were kind of nervous that he killed him and then we me and my brother went and pulled a card one day and uh we were going through the pictures and i don't know if you've ever watched the show american ninja warrior yeah yep so we were sitting in the living room going through those pictures and uh he popped up on there and that deer did. And when we were going through him, we noticed that he had a, uh, a bald spot like on his, on his back. You could tell where my neighbor had shot him and didn't kill him. Yep. I mean, he shot him, you know, right through no man's lane. He had a, a softball sized bald spot on him. And so we were, we just, we always like to name our deer. It's just something that we've always done. You know, it's just, I don't know, we just like to do it, and we like to come up with unique and stupid names for them. Yep, I agree. It's, I mean, it's just a good way to identify them, too. Yeah, you know? yeah. And uh, so me and my brother were, we were American Ninja Warriors on TV, and there's a guy on there, and his name was Kevin Bull. And he was, like, ripped. I mean, huge muscles, and he was bald. And uh, so that's what we ended up naming him, because he had that bald <laughs> spot on there. And... He had a real big body, so it's just he's Kevin now. He's Kevin Bull now. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so Kevin Bull, he's 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 a bald eight pointer Mm -hmm. running around, and uh, so he's four years old. And so shotgun season that comes in what like around December, first of December. It's about it's the end of November. It's normally okay. It's like the the third weekend in November usually. Okay, so now you know, being a four year old, so you guys saw him a handful of times as a three year old. Now, yep. did you guys ever see him on the hoof as a four year old? Okay, I don't think we did because we never we never hunted that farm. So okay, um, I don't think we did. So have you ever seen that like in the past with other deer? You know how, you know, some people say. You know, from three to three, they never see him. Four years old, he's like all over. Five years old, he's a ghost. Six years old, you know, he he's visible. Do you ever see that at all? Like as they get older, you know, they get more visible or or, or tend to be more nocturnal. Yeah, um, there's a deer that I was actually hunting hard this year too that uh, that we call Goalpost, and uh, he's six and a half. And I have, oh man, we have. I counted one day, but I don't remember how many trail camera pictures we have of him. I mean, it's in the hundreds, but when he was, we have seven in the daylight and all the rest of them are at night. And okay. every daylight picture we have of him is as was a four and a half year old. And I actually seen him one time when he was a four and a half year old. And that's the only time I've ever seen him. And that's the only year that we ever got daylight pictures of him. And uh, when he was five and a half, or when he was three and a half, five and a half, and then six and a half this year, we didn't get a single daylight picture of him or see him a single time. It just, I don't know, it's just crazy to me how they how they work like that. I don't know if it was... Yeah. I had a deer like that this year. I mean, as a three-year-old, he was nocturnal never saw him once on the hoof this year i end up seeing him like six times on the hoof more pictures in the daylight he was just more visible as a four-year-old it's just i was just curious you know a lot of guys say that you know that happens but i would have thought it would have been the exact opposite three-year-old he would have been all around four-year-old he'd just be a ghost you know getting getting smarter being at a in a higher pressured state you know and just kind of going to lockdown but that was total opposite Right. Uh, what I thought about that goalpost deer was, you know, as a three and a half year old, you know, you, you're apt to think that they're, you know, they're in the daylight more. And 
So what I thought was, you know, maybe when I got those pictures of him as a four-year-old, I'm like, well, maybe once he turned four, his four area shrank. And so now he's just happening to be daylighting in a place that he wasn't last year because he was in a, you know, a broader area. But yeah. And then once he turned five and six, I didn't get any daylight pictures of him. Like, okay, well, that's not the case, but. I got you. So you were chasing goalposts as well, or I'm sorry. So back up. He's, you know, this Kevin Bull deer. So you're watching American Ninja Warrior. You name this deer. So, so what's your plan, you know, you and your brother and your dad going forward for that deer and, and what were you thinking? So we had decided that regardless of what he looks like next year, when he turned five, we we're going to kill him. And so we had, let's see, I don't remember how many more pictures we had of him after gun season. And we had a fair share of him in our, our standing bean plot. And Did you end we, up finding uh, his sheds? We did not. I have the worst luck finding sheds. <laughs> Welcome if to the club. Doesn't, <laughs> if it doesn't stab me in the bottom of the foot, I'm not going to find it. Yeah, it's I, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't. People that find a lot of shit. I mean, I walk for miles and I just can't find them. I don't know if I'm cross-eyed or if I just. <laughs> I don't know. You know, I had this discussion the other day. We were in Kansas and we were shed hunting and turkey hunting. We ended up finding seven, and but it's like. You know, there's how many years of sheds? I mean, you could say 30 years of sheds out there somewhere. Mm-hmm. Why aren't you just stumbling upon them? Like, I don't yep. get that. You know, it's like <clears throat> it's like the deer move. I mean, obviously, you know, they move in the winter to, you know, thermal cover and, and food. They're trying to find the food that they can. But it's like you could walk. We walked a lot and lo- walked a lot of, you know, late season food and we found most of our sheds in transitions, a couple in thermal cover, and a couple on fence rows. Never found any by food, and it was it's crazy. Wow! And I, I it's I'm the same way though. Either cross-eyed or my mind's somewhere <laughs> else, and I'm not looking at. I don't know, man. But I think my biggest problem is uh, when I'm walking through there. I'm I'm too busy looking for a tree that i can kill a buck out of instead of <laughs> looking for a shed <laughs> i agree justin did you find any sheds this last year in iowa uh we found a few on on public land ironically uh most of them in food <laughs> really um yeah um you and i talked about our spot man i don't know how long ago it was but um it was a place that had standing beans on it that was yep in a piece i remember of public. yep and uh cooper and i and Another guy from the office went out there one one day, and uh, we found like three, I think. And then we went back there again and started walking all the ridges, and found like four more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those guys that are finding like fifteen, twenty sheds a day is just unreal. Yeah, that that's Cooper. He's a freaking <laughs> hound dog when it comes to finding sheds. Yeah, he he found like two match, yeah, two match sets, and one that he didn't find a match to. Uh, back in Wisconsin, uh, the two match sets both went over 150. Holy cow. Yeah. So, yep. They're out there. Yeah, they are. There's a lot of years of them, too, somewhere. But uh, So, Blake, you guys didn't find the sheds to this deer, and you know what were you thinking then? Is he He's died of winter kill or maybe got an infection. Is that what you're thinking, or, or what's your thoughts? We really weren't too worried about it because um, – he during the winter when it got like super cold we uh we think he bedded on the neighbor's ground anyway so not and we hadn't found him in the previous years and we'd looked so we weren't really all that concerned about him about him dying um so then the next summer so this has been this past summer yep. we uh we stumbled upon him july something end of july we've seen him and so we had, we decided that regardless of, of what he looked like, we we're going to kill him. And so we were hoping that he made a, a pretty big jump, but he hadn't, he, uh, he had just put on some more mass and hadn't put on any, any more time length or width or, or main beam length or anything. So what's he look like now as a five-year-old? What's he scoring as a five-year-old? Uh, so he, when I, so this is a year that, that I killed him. And, uh, we really, 
didn't think that he grew any at all. We still thought he was he was high one thirties. Okay. Um, so I have a I have a real bad problem of underscoring deer. <laughs> and it, and it's bad. And then so I ended up killing him and we put the tape on him. He was one forty three and seven eighths. Okay. So he had grew well, I say he grew six to eight inches, but there's no telling what he actually scored the year before. You know, knowing me, he was probably five inches bigger than I thought he was, but. I gotcha. So you, you see him in July and then, you know, in the next coming months coming up to, you know, hunting season, were you guys seeing him a lot? Was he pretty patternable or what was your plan? You know, you said you were hunting another deer as well. So was he kind of in the back burner? So, yeah, we, like me and my brother and, and my dad decided that, you know, if we wanted to hunt him, that we would kill him. Um, but he wasn't going to be my first choice on what deer I was going to hunt. That uh, that deer I was talking about earlier, Goalpost, that was, he was actually my number one hit lister going into this year. So I was actually hunting him super hard. And then I started getting, we started getting a lot of pictures of, of Kevin. And then I actually seen him. If the wind wasn't right for hunting goalpost, it was more than likely going to be right for hunting Kevin, which very rarely ever happens to me that two opposite winds are perfect for two different spots and two deer I want to hunt. <laughs> so I, uh, I actually seen him. I don't remember November 9th. I believe it was, I hunted for him. And I seen him and he come down the ridge. He was locked down with, uh, he wasn't locked down with a doe. He was chasing a doe and just didn't come close enough. I got some video of him. So after that, the, uh, I decided to hunt him for the next couple of days. And when I wasn't at school and so I was hunting him and then the wind switched. And so I went back to hunting goalpost. And so he, whenever we were, we were getting a lot of pictures of him. I mean, a lot of them were in, on the same camera in just about the same area. And then I went back to hunt goalposts for a while and we went and pulled a card probably half mile away from where we were getting pictures of him. And we're going through those pictures and there he was. So that kind of threw us a curveball. Um, I'm, I would assume that that doe took him over there because it was, it was three days after I had seen him with that doe that we got the pictures of him over there. How far did that doe take him? I'm going to say right at a half mile. Okay. Which isn't, which isn't super far, but we had never got pictures of him over there before. Mm -hmm. It was to the North of where we normally got pictures of him. And we had pictures of him further like a half mile to the south of where we originally did so it was kind of kind of just a curveball and uh so i kind of made a a move on him i guess you could say um where he was at normally and then where the pictures that we got of him that we didn't expect in between it was in between two big blocks of timber it kind of looked like an hourglass and uh so there's a pinch point right in the middle of them to where if he was going to go from one block of timber to the other, you know, he was going to go through there or he was going to go through a wide open field that is right beside the road. And, you know, I mean, possible, but I mean, I liked my Highly opportunity. Highly You're right. Yeah. So I took, I, we did not have a stand in there or anything. So I grabbed my lone wolf and my sticks and I went in there and, hunted that for a while found a good tree and seen a lot of deer and but never seen him and so we stopped getting pictures of him for i mean we were getting pictures of him you know regularly like every you know three days at least and all all in daylight were they um most of them were at night but we did have a couple daylight Um, okay a lot of them that we had were on scrapes so this was this was mid November you were saying. Yep. Yep. It was I seen him the ninth and then we got the twelfth would have been when we got the picture of him that we didn't expect and it was the thirteenth when we pulled that card. 
And so it was the next couple of days after that, that I had made a move on him and was hunting him. Gotcha. Okay. And, uh, so I, I hunted in there for a while and, uh, you know, seen a lot of deer, but never seen him. And then we stopped getting pictures of him for a while. And then I, uh, where I was hunting goalpost, I have, uh, had a cell cam up. And so I got a, I woke up one morning and had a picture of him the previous night, a couple hours after dark. And he was going back to what I think is his core area. So I decided to hunt him for the next couple of days and the wind had switched too. So it was, you know, a perfect scenario to go back after him and, you know, kind of give Kevin a break and see if any more pictures popped up of him. I, I'm going to, I assume that he was locked down with a doe and just wasn't, you know, going very far. wasn't searching for another doe whenever we weren't getting pictures of him. Okay, so so to go back, the picture that you got on the cell cam, did you get a picture of goalpost then? Yes. Okay, yep. so you got a picture of goalpost when you woke up, so you figured that deer shown back yep. up. He was your number one, so you're going to go back after him then. Yep, so pretty much I thought that was my best opportunity. And I would, you know, he was my number one buck anyway, so I thought I had a better chance of killing him. And the wind was wrong to hunt Kevin anyway, so that's what you know that's what made me hunt him okay so you went after goalpost did you see goalpost or get close to him at all or uh what, what how'd that work out nope that deer flat out kicked my tail all year long i'd never seen him one time and never had a daylight picture of him all of them were at night <laughs> did like find a shit off of him though did you yeah so when did you decide to pull the plug? How long did it take you to pull the plug on goalpost and be like, ah, you know, Kevin's showing up pretty regularly. I'm going to go after him. So he, uh, it was, the, we hadn't had any pictures of him the rest of November. So, you know, I mean, this was through shotgun season two. So I'm like, you know, like we kind of thought that he got killed. Are you um, talking about goalpost or? Uh, no, no, Kevin. Kevin. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we hadn't had any pictures of him the rest of November, and then we uh, we got a picture of him December third, I believe it was, and uh, so we knew he was still alive. And it was at night, and uh, so I went and, and hunted him a couple more times from like the third to the tenth, whatever days I could whatever evenings I could get in a tree um, that I didn't have, have class. And, uh, I never seen him. So I was, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not doing any good where I'm at. So I'm like, I, I gotta find this deer. And by this point I hadn't had, I'd pretty much gave up on goalposts for the year because when it, when it gets cold, he, you know, he pretty much goes on the neighbor's ground that we can't hunt. I mean, my only chance at him is going to be, during the rut um so i decided after those few days i'd hunt them in december that i wasn't gonna hunt for him i was just gonna grab my binoculars and i was just gonna drive around and hope to see him in a field so <clears throat> i seen him on december 16th i seen him out in the field and uh the he was 70 yards off the road where I'd seen him and he was the field he was in is a it's an 80 acre bean field and it's got a couple waterways in it and one of the waterways is has some I I'm not even gonna call it woods I'm gonna call it brush and there's one tree in there on the very point of it and he was about 40 yards from that tree and it's a a shagbark hickory tree, which I absolutely hate to hunt out of. <laughs> They're loud. And, yeah, noisy and slick. And Yep. So this, so I, uh, you sent me a picture of this 80-acre field, and I, I kind of want to paint a better picture for everybody listening. So this 80-acre yeah. field literally is a wide-open ag bean field, right? Right. And it's, and it's like you said, you got waterways, and then one waterway, it's got like, I don't know. From the picture, it looked like it's kind of like autumn olive brush, just like thick yeah. tag elder with one shagbark hickory 
L on the point of it, right? Yeah. That's okay. like 30 foot tall. Yep. So, uh, the, uh, the guy that owns that ground, he's a farmer down the road from us and yeah, he lets us hunt all his ground. Um, so, but I'd never hunted there before. And so I went and talked to him just to make sure it was still all right. And he gave me the okay. And so the next day I actually had, uh, something to do so I couldn't hunt that day. So the next day, the 18th, so I seen him on the 16th and then the 17th, I couldn't hunt. And then the 18th, I, uh, I had two options, but I had to have a, uh, Southwest wind to hunt it. I mean, that was the only possible wind. And whenever I seen him, there was like 50 deer in that field. So why were the deer coming to this field? Was it standing beans? So in the, the actual field wasn't, but the waterways, they were, they were lower than the rest of the field and, uh, they were too wet whenever that farmer cut them. So there was actually some standing beans in the waterways. Okay. So the so, deer were uh, just scrounging, looking for any type of food. So the deer were just filling up on these waterways. Yeah. I mean, they were just piled in those waterways. Okay. And this, uh, I mean, this field, this tree on that point is, it's like 70 yards off the road. So these deer were crossing the road to get into that field. I, um, could either sit on the ground, you know, and try to, just nestle myself in there and you know hide the best i could or i could try to get in that shag bark hickory tree so and the bad thing about that tree is i mean it's out there on its own so there's absolutely zero back cover and you know there's it's december so there's no leaves on the trees or anything but i so i decided that i was going to try to get in that tree so i took my lone wolf stand and uh two sticks two sets of sticks and uh that that tree had some branches on it and uh so i had to put i put one stick around the base and then i could go up two limbs and then i put the other stick up there and then i went up another limb and hung my stand and so the deer were coming out they were all going to be to the south of me so I faced my stand to the north to where I was kind of behind the tree to uh, tie myself better because, I mean, I was I was in the wide open. I was sticking out like a sore thumb. and <laughs> I mean, I was a nervous wreck. And Well, you knew there was going to be a lot of deer in there too, you know, because you've right, been watching. Was, you know, I'm going to have 40 different sets of eyes on me. Right. And uh, so I normally, um, I normally try to self-film all my hunts, but – I told myself, I'm like, I'm not taking my camera. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to get seen because I'm trying to get it on film. You know, because I just, I mean, I just do it for personal. Right. You know, and. Guaranteed best way to know you're going to see him that time. <laughs> exactly. <Absolutely>. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it happens every time. I honestly don't oh, know yeah. why. Every single time. So I, uh, I'm sitting there, you know, I, I made sure to get in there early just in case. You know, I had to sit on the ground. I could, you know, trim some brush and, and try to make a blind. Um, so I was sitting there, and deer started to come out, and, uh, you know, does and little bucks. And it was about 45 minutes before dark when I had seen him two days before. And then, so it got to be about that time. And I had seen, there's another buck out there with him, a three-year-old, a, uh, a pretty good three-year-old, you know, high 130s, right at 143-year-old. And he come out and, and walked right by me. And so I let him walk. And How many deer are in front so, of you right now? Uh, I'm going to say 30. Jeez, so you had a yeah, lot of I eyes. Mean, yeah, I am frozen solid to that tree. And I had uh, I screwed my bow into the limb to where all I had to do was just you know, I didn't have to reach out and grab it. I just had to pick it up off the hook. Mm-hmm. I'm, I mean, I tried to, you know, limit my movement as much as possible. And so he, uh, so like I said earlier, this, this tree is 70 yards off the road and these deer are coming, they're crossing the road and they're coming right, right beside a guy's house. I mean, just <laughs> literally right through his yard. 
I mean, he don't, it's an old guy. He never, you know, if, if you weren't from here, you would think that nobody lived there. Oh, really? And yeah. So, I mean, all those deer are coming through his yard. So I, I'm watching that buck in the field and I'm watching all the other deer and that buck looks behind him and I look back there and, and here he comes right through that guy's yard. I mean, it's just, you know, it's just funny cause he's, I mean, he's just walking literally right through a, a mowed grass yard <laughs> and, and crossing the road. And there's a, and there's an absolute cattle path going through the middle of the field where I'm at and, he was on that path and I had ranged it when I got in the tree and, and it was 32 yards. And then there's another one behind it that was like 53. And so I, I told myself I wasn't going to range him when he came in because that was a good way to get pegged. And so he was on the far trail and coming through the field. And then he, he actually angled towards me and, and hit that other trail and come right in there at 32 yards, right on that path. And I was so, oh man, my heart was racing when I was trying to get the arm <laughs> back on him. What's the temp? Praying. Was it pretty cold? Yeah, it was like 15 and it was freezing. <laughs> yeah. And I was so nervous. I was going to get seen. I, I just drew back as, you know, as quiet and, and stealthy as I could and drew back and, you know, nothing seen me and, Settled my pin and heart shot him, and he ran 40 yards and fell over. That's crazy, man. So nothing picked you off then? No does, no other deer? Nope, nothing. That's crazy. I mean, when you sent me that picture, so you sent me a picture from the road looking at that tree, and I'm like, how in the hell did all these deer (laughs) come by this one tree? You know what I mean? It was your only option, literally, your only option. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's why I seen a picture of it because, you know, I mean, you can say, oh, yeah, I was in this tree and, you know, had so many deer in the field that, that are going to see you. And, you know, then you can paint a picture in your head of, you know, whatever you want it to look like. But, I mean, when you see the picture, it's, I mean, that was my only option. So, I mean, it was pretty wild. It is. And, you know, that's that's crazy how you just kind of took advantage of, of you know, the bean field being, you know, the farm not being able to get in there. And, you know, you hear stories like that all the time because that field is probably a field you'd overlook all the time. I mean, who would be out there hunting in that field unless that was the only place that they had, you know? So you had the perfect situation and went in there, adapted to it and capitalized and just so happened, this is the deer. It's, it's Kevin. It's Kevin, uh, Kevin bull. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So I, uh, I called my brother and I said, uh, I mean, that's, that's the first thing I do. Um, whenever any of us kills a deer is, is we call, uh, I call my brother and he calls me and then we call our dad. So I called him and I said, Hey, uh, I said, I need you to come get me, you know, kind of sounded disappointed. Yep. And he's like, he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. I was like, I just shot Kevin and so we just got all excited and he come and picked me up and we hauled him back home. And that, that's the story of Kevin. <laughs> that's sweet, man. That's really cool. And like I just said, you know, adapt into that, that situation and, and being able, being able to, you know, get him on the ground. Now, now the property that he came off and all those deer were coming off the old guy there is, does anybody hunt that property? Um, he, so that old guy that lives there, he just owns like a little lot right there. Oh, then, okay. Uh, so he doesn't have like a big chunk or anything. No, no. I got you. And then all the ground behind him is kind of like split up. It's a lot of, of small parcels. Okay. And, uh, so the ground that he, he came off of was pretty much his core area. Gotcha. So it was, yeah. So what, I mean, is it pretty thick back there, and, and that's probably yeah, where he was living and everything? Yeah, um, where he was, I'm assuming he was bedded at whenever I killed him, is like walk on your hands and knees to get through there thick. Right. And we don't go in there outside of, of shed season. Okay. So, you know, you put a bow on last season with Kevin, and – now goalposts or any other deer like what uh we're here now in may 
you know, shed season's kind of wrapping up. People are still finding sheds, but you know, what's your goal going into this next year? Are you going to try to get back on goalposts or do you have any deer that uh, you're really hoping that are going to flourish this year or you're really looking forward to? Yeah. So goalpost 100% number one hit lister, you know, no doubt. Um, even, I mean, people are going to call me crazy, but if I got a picture of a 200 inch deer, um, I honestly still think that I'm going to go hunt goalpost. Really? Just because, yeah, because, I mean, I've tried to kill him since he's been five and a half, and he's just flat out kicked my tail. You know, it's more of a, like, a, you know, I mean, now it's like personal. Like, yep. okay, I want to prove to myself that I can kill this deer. Yep. Um, And I actually am kind of excited about it because I, uh, I found a tree that, that I think that I can kill him in. Um, so where he lives is right. It butts up to the interstate and it's a 200 acre chunk and it was logged. I don't, I don't remember probably eight years ago. And so half of it, we don't even go in half of it between the interstate and like between the interstate and halfway through the property. We don't even go in because it's so thick. I mean, it's head high, you know, super thick stuff, just yep. a bedding haven. And so you can see it on a map on the backside of it, right along the interstate is there's like a funnel that comes into a big thicket. But the problem was, I mean, ever since we started hunting there, we could see it, but we just didn't know. I mean, you can't hunt it because you can't get in there without scaring everything. Yep. And so actually during shed season, we, uh, we found out that uh, to get in there, I can uh, I can walk down the ditch of the interstate and then pop in the woods about 80 yards and be on one side of that, that pinch point that comes into that thicket. And in that thicket, on the outskirts of that thicket is where every picture that I have of him during November is at. So, so you got to think that's probably his core right there. Yeah. Yep. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about getting the opportunity to hunt back there. It's, uh, it's going to be kind of, kind of sketchy, but I mean, walking down the ditch of the interstate, you know, 10 foot from, from semis at four thirty in the morning. But, <laughs> yep. I mean, if I, if I think I can kill him by doing it, then I'm going to do it. It's like a mile walk. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, I have a buddy in Missouri, and one of his farms is next to, like, right, I mean, right on the tree line is a railroad, and he timed the the trains go by, like, every so often. I, I can't remember yeah. what it was. Like, every 25 minutes to a half hour or something like that. So on his morning hunts, he timed it out to where, he would get to a certain point and wait for that train. And then when that train would come by, he would just hightail it into the <laughs> woods and get to the base of his tree and try to get up his tree before the train went by. And he's killed some giants doing that. And it's just, it's another one of those things, you know, the interstate could, could help you out a lot, you know, waiting for cars. Yeah. It might take you a little longer to get in there, but it, it might help you out a lot. Right. It's uh I mean, it definitely covers your noise for sure. And, uh, I mean, it's got its drawbacks too, cause you're sitting there 80 yards off the interstate. So you can't hear anything, right? you know, I mean, you can't hear a deer coming through the woods. You got to see it. But I mean, that's, that's my only opportunity to, uh, to hunt him. Yep. Um, outside of hunting there, I'm going to have to just kind of hope that a doe brings him by me on, you know, the outside of that thicket. Right. So, well, yeah, cool, man. I'm pretty excited. I hope you, I hope you get after him this year, and maybe we can do another one of these podcasts talking about goalposts and just put a bow on that story later next year. <laughs> I know. I'm sitting here with his shed in my hand right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, hey, we're we're coming up on an hour here, and I wanna I wanna be able to you know get you off here so you can have the rest of your evening. And I appreciate you coming on and doing this, and um, you know, and telling your story about Kevin and 
and everything. It's really cool, really nice to meet you and everything, and and we'll be for sure getting ready to follow or you know still follow you on social media and everything. Now, if anybody wanted to you know look at what you're doing and and you maybe some of your videos and photos and everything, where can people go to to see that stuff? Um, so best place to go is uh, my Instagram, I'm Blake Wallerman fifteen. That's uh, that's where I post most of my stuff at, and then a little bit on Facebook too. And then if I uh, if I ever get, I mean, I have a couple videos, but if I if I get a handful more, I'm gonna start posting some on YouTube. But I say Instagram is the best place to go to to see see what I do. Well, cool, man. I you know once you once you start getting some stuff on up on YouTube and. Let me know, and I'll I'll start helping you promote that a little bit and get some more people over there watching your stuff. So I appreciate that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, no problem, man. And like I said, thanks again for coming on, Justin. Do you have any closing thoughts for anything, Blake? For anything? Um, you know, nothing specific. I mean, we've kind of touched on this in the past a little bit with with some out of the box type of thinking when it comes to how to go about hunting these deer that you know are reaching these age classes that we all want to target and i mean sometimes like you said you just you miss a little bit of a little bit of the food here the combine can't get in it gets too wet it gets missed or you know whatever or in the case with the with the interstate you know use that to your advantage uh entry and exit you know access uh even that cover sound that noise that you said you know you can't hear them coming um they hear way better than we do so that means they're not going to hear you coming either so, I mean, just, just cool ways to, you know, a different perspective to look at this this kind of stuff and, and how to use some unconventional tactics that ultimately lead to some really great success stories. For sure. Well, cool, man. Uh, Blake, again, you know, thanks for coming on and doing this, and I guess we're going to wrap this baby up. All right. I appreciate you guys having me. I can, I yeah, can talk to you all day long. <laughs> well, maybe we'll have to do it again here soon, you know, maybe coming into season or if you were – like I said, if you're able to get goalposts on the ground or have a good story or good encounter with them this year, you know, this year up, maybe we'll figure figure something out, get back on the horn and do it. So Sounds good. Yeah, definitely. All right, Blake, thanks, man. We appreciate it. Yep, thank you, guys. Spend your Saturdays with life on the water. Join Captain Brandon Simmons for fishing, diving, travel, and so much more. You want to succeed. You want to fish. You want to be one of the greatest. Oh, look at that thing, dude. Wow. Oh. <laughs> Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into today. Don't miss Life on the Water every Saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. <laughs> the destination for outdoor entertainment. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.